Um, I have not spoken on this topic, but I just felt with all the situation going on, all the separation of opinion right now, um, I think Vice President Pence said it the other day at the Rally for Life in Washington, life is winning. There's a, there's a point now since um, just more and more of the younger generation is also embracing life. And so th this is a topic that um, is often avoided from the pulpit, but I, I just felt like I want to ground us first biblically, um, not by some self-righteous declaration when we're meeting with people that are in that vulnerable place, but one, let's look at some scripture, then let's also look at the constitutionality. I've got, uh, I want to look at the 14th Amendment. So part of this is an equipping, part of it is um, you to do wrestling with God on this subject. And so... Um, why don't you look at the handout? Let's pull up the handout, and and uh, I want to start. First of all, what does God say? I'm in the crowd that believes that the Word is the inerrant Word of God. It's it's good, right? Second Timothy three sixteen. This is the Word of God, and it tells us that we can base decision making, doctrine, reproof. Uh, you can schedule your life, your planning of life around this, and uh, and you will be impacted in a positive way if you follow the commands of God. If you don't. If you do not put the Word of God in your life, then you will end up in a shipwreck to the point where at some point you'll have an opportunity again that the Lord will reach out and, and touch you. So let's first look at, turn with me to Psalm 139, a pretty foundational scripture from David, King David himself. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that in the beginning, God made. <laughs> so from, from Genesis to, to Revelation, we see about life and who is the creator. In fact, we shared the other night, I think it was Wednesday night, there was a statement made, the atheists and those who are um, opposed to any God focus, the reason they don't want God in the picture is because if you can get people to recognize or at least believe that there is no God, then there is no accounting, there's no purpose behind life. Life is random, do whatever you want, and there's no, there'll be no results of, of any decisions you make. That's such a lie and such a deception. So let's look at biblically what, uh, what the Scripture says about life. In Psalm 139, and let's pick up, it's a wonderful psalm, the whole thing is about no matter where I go, God is there. David was searching and seeking for God, but I like in verse 13, it says this, you made, speaking of God, you made all the delicate inward parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. That in itself ought to just, what else needs to be said? Who made it and what did he do, right? Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. This is all those that are trying to figure out the human body. And it's like, it is just incredible. Your workmanship is marvelous in how I know it. You watched me when I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered, and I can't even count them. And they outnumber the grains of the sand when I wake up, you're still with me. 
Now, there's a lot of other scriptures I could have pulled out in the Psalms as well, Ecclesiastes, um, about life and, and the formation of life. But to me, that is very clear. Uh, let's look at another scripture. Foundationally, if we believe that God made all life, turn with me to Deuteronomy 30. Let's go back. We'll, we'll look at Old Testament and we'll go to the New Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, man is given free will. That is one of the greatest gifts. In fact, one of, the, one of the hits against God is, why didn't you stop this evil from happening? Why didn't you intervene? Because God gave us free will to take dominion. From the beginning, that was what he said, right? Take dominion. So here, Moses is telling the people of Israel, after all they had been through, look at verse 15, Deuteronomy 30, 15. Now listen today, I am giving you a choice between life and death and between prosperity and disaster. You could stop right there. You want to be blessed in your life. I want to be blessed in my life. Let's follow what the Lord says. But he says, I give you a, a verbal choice, a, a witness choice over what you're going to do. But guess what? All heaven is going to watch what you do. This is what he says. He goes, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees and his regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land that you're about to enter to occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long. You will not have a good life. And you're going to cross into the Jordan to occupy? Today, I have given you the choice between death and blessing and cursing. Now, I'm going to call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Does it get any clearer than that? I mean, he didn't mix a whole lot of words. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. By loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him, this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Man was given as a free gift, will. You choose what you want. But there are consequences to your choice. It doesn't take a rocket science. I could go get tanked up tonight, drive 150 miles an hour down College Road, kill somebody, and I don't care what my testimony was yesterday, it's over. I'll have a prison ministry. Lord, never. And Jesus, help me. I'll save that for my mom and Pastor Willie. Unless you call me, Lord. But they're, they're, So you get the point, right? It, it's, uh, we're only a few decisions from a ditch. You can make a few bad decisions and end up in that place. And so, foundationally, he is the creator of all life, and God has given man free will to choose, and he wants to bless us. In fact, he gives us the recipes and the ingredients in here on how to walk out and be blessed. You know, it's amazing. You take family lines. It says in Exodus 20, verse 5, love the Lord thy God, honor him with all you do. It says, those who honor the Lord, right, have no other gods before me. That means even yourself and your bad choices, you want to love yourself above God and make bad choices, you will end up in a bad place. If you lay out 
generational curses, the sins of the father's visit to the fourth and fifth generation. Go back in family lines. They've done this statistically. Look at those who made really bad choices. And their family lines are often a terrible mess until a man or woman of peace makes a choice for Christ and then things start to go different. Amazing how that works in Scripture. So we have a choice. We can say, God, I, I don't care where I've come from. Now I want to be the man or woman of peace and accept Christ for the, my lineage. Because it goes on, it says, I will bless to a thousand generations those who love me. Now love is an interesting point. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Man, I, how do we get to that place? Only by the Holy Ghost, right? All right, foundationally, he's the creator of life. We have free will. Now let's look at a command. Turn with me to Proverbs 31. This is not the Proverbs 31 woman, which is awesome, but it is before that. It's, it's interesting that Scripture is not sure who King Lemuel was. Well, we got a mama speaking Scripture to King Lemuel and gives some really sound advice. I love it that we have another woman quoted in Scripture here. These are the sayings of King Lemuel. Remember, Solomon wrote Proverbs for wisdom, and he was so impressed by King Lemuel's mom, he said, that's got to go in this book. So he, he borrowed it, put it down here forever. But look at what he said. goes on, it says, it's about a mother telling a king, this saying of King Lemuel contains this message which his mother taught him. Oh, my son, son of my womb, son of my vows, don't waste your strength on women and those things that ruin kings. Not that all women ruin kings, but you, get, you know what he's saying, right? Your ruckus living. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. For if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice. Jump down, verse, verse 8 and 9. She then tells him how to, what are the principles of life. But then here you exert your power, King Lemuel. This is what you should do. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. And yes, speak for those poor and helpless and see that they get justice. See, that's what our nation and our leaders are supposed to be providing according to our constitution. Now, you can look this. I, got, I, I, I kept this one. This is from Ben Carson. He sent out things about the Constitution prior to the election. I'm just going to read for you. I'm going to shift for a minute. When someone talks about what has been twisted in the courts, this is clearly one, I believe. This is um, Amendment 14, ratified July 9th, 1868, three years after the Civil War. So you can imagine what was going on. Over a million men, 600,000 men died on both sides, over a million casualties. There probably was not one family that was not affected by the Civil War. So they were trying to get it right. They ratified this, and this is one of the things they said. No state, section one of this Amendment 14, no state shall make and enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property. I have received in the last two weeks from all the things my wife and I support, the ACLJ, 
um, focus on the family, lifeline. Um, Life Legal Defense Foundation. National Pro-Life Alliance. Concerned Women for America. Battles for Freedom, legal and legislative briefing. It's time for the people of the United States to battle this thing in the courts and to support. So I would encourage you to send some offerings to those areas. Lifeline pregnancy would be an excellent one on a regular basis. The Supreme Court themselves, during the Roe v. Wade decision, look at what they said. Even the Supreme Court admitted in the Roe v. Wade decision of 1973 that once the personhood of an unborn is established, the so-called right to abort will collapse. It doesn't take a rocket science person to understand when two humans come together, however that was, even if it was in a non-biblical relationship or rape, that child was given life. We've had those that have stood up. Remember, um, I forget the name of the lady who came. We had a thousand youth in this room. And she came and said, I was, my mother was raped. I was the one she had considered an abortion. She said, I, does anybody remember her name? Pam, yeah. Anyway, saves me right now. But she came, what a great and powerful testimony. She was going all over the United States telling youth to basically choose morality. But she was also standing for life. And she said, look, my mother was raped. I was conceived as a result of the rape. But she chose life. And look at me now as a result of my mother's choice. Let's, uh, let's look at the handout. I want to go down now. If we look at biblically the creation of life, our choice to live under blessing or cursing, then our responsibility and leaders' responsibility to protect the innocent and those who cannot speak for themselves. Last week I preached on uh, We Stand to Serve, Minister, and Burn. Speak Up is the name of the title. I speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. I strongly believe that we are to do this for those who cannot speak for themselves, to ensure justice for those being crushed. The Lord, these are the scriptures, these are quotes. The Lord hates shedding of innocent blood. You can't imagine how excited I was when I heard this morning that there's no longer blood being washed down the drain in Wilmington, North Carolina for the innocent destruction. If you've ever, I'm, I was going to do a shock and awe, I chose not to. If you ever look at the way these abortions are committed, it is absolutely horrific. Makes me so angry. Partial birth abortion. When that child is born, when you look at, I'm not going there. It's just, it's incredible to me that humans with any compassion at all could ever come to that place. The shedding of innocent blood, it says the Lord hates and, and the blood pollutes the land, Psalm 106. There are many injustices that we can join together in to change. But hear me now, I, I, I honestly believe this. There's a whole lot of injustices, things that we could take up cause for. But I believe strongly from God's perspective that this is the largest single most issue that makes him very, very angry with the United States. 
When you look at Old Testament, look at six, over 60 million children now aborted, killed. When you hear that God says a child is a gift, the fruit of the womb is a gift. And so what we do in our ignorance and, is we basically say, God, I got better things to do. Now, there's a reason pastors don't like to have this kind of a discussion. One, because I'm aware, because I do a lot of prayer ministries, of women who have had abortions and men who have supported their abortions. And until they come to the, reso- the, the, the revelation that this sin is under the blood of Jesus, you can walk in shame and guilt and such despair. I, I know I'm on the right track. The other day, I got a call from a pastor friend in Tennessee. And he called me, he's been to prayer ministry, we've trained his church, we've been down there. Uh, and he called me, he says, Pastor, I need some prayer and I need some counsel. I am about ready to go do a prayer ministry on a woman who's 47. She's depressed, suicidal, she's in this place. At 14, she became pregnant and she had an abortion. And she struggled for all those years. And she's coming now to be set free. What do I do? I said, tell her about the royal blood of Jesus. Because this guilt and shame, the enemy will play on this thing and and make it so um, discouraging as if somehow this sin could not be forgiven by Jesus. That is an absolute lie. So if you, let's just keep going, the, the handout, I tried to cover this. It says, I believe the greatest sin of our nation today is the destruction of over 60 million innocent children from legalized abortion. The Bible clearly shows that life begins at conception. God fashions us in our mother's womb. The prophet Jeremiah and the apostle Paul were called by God before they were born. John the Baptist was moved in the womb by the Holy Spirit. Children in the womb have a spiritual identity. God condemned the Israelites who were offering their children as sacrifices to the heathen God of Molech. This spirit, spirit of Molech, has a new name in our society. It's called choice. But it is the same spirit. Hasn't gone anywhere. It's just been dressed up. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So you say, Pastor, well, what do we do? How do we? Pastors, number one, healing in action. What, you know, I'm, I'm always about what can we do about something, either personally, spiritually. Pastors don't like to share their pro-life view for three fundamental reasons. I got this from Lifeline. One, the fear of hurting those who have had an abortion. That's certainly not my intent. The fear of dividing the church, because there's varied opinions. And then the fear of politicizing the issue. But we've never walked away from the fact of facing hurt. We declare that Jesus has forgiven all sin, and there is now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember, I've listed there Romans under 2. Romans 6, 6, it says, sin loses its power. But let's look at this one. I... Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9. There's a sobering part of the scripture here, but 
I want to emphasize the last part, which is even more positive. This is, Paul, Paul was, I'm glad that there was a Corinthian church. They had a lot of problems. And he wrote a lot of letters, two of the letters to deal with their stuff, right? So, but he was also really positive with them in, in ways to get back on track. Let's, um, let's begin in verse 9. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Don't you realize, that's interesting, don't you have revelation? King James says, um, know ye not that the unrighteous, don't you realize, new living, don't you realize that those who do wrong, that's interesting, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, worship idols, commit adultery, male prostitutes, practice homosexuality, Thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the positive. Some of you were once like that. Can any of us say I was once like one of those things? Amen? I mean, come on. The reality is all of us have fallen short of the glory. Some of you were once like that. Now look at this. But you were cleansed, and you were made holy, and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. I like King James says it this way, verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but ye have been sanctified, you are justified (laughs) by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Isn't that good? When we declare Jesus and we confess our sins, here's what the enemy does. Is he sits over and kind of sits on the shoulder and says, well, you're not really good. you got to work on this. You, you did it. How about that? And we read the scriptures. We get convicted. All Let that drive us into the place of just celebrating the blood of Jesus. It is illegal for us to say that the blood of Jesus can't wash away my sin. That's not right. That's a lie. So when I come, he says... Confess your sins, First John 1 on. Confess my sins to him. He's faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. In Romans 3, 4, and 5, he goes on, I think 11 times, you have been made right. You've been made righteous. I don't know how that works. Because I'm still working on me and so is God. And I get the help from some others. Some I don't want. But I probably need. You know? And so there's this place where Philippians says he began this work. He's going to perform it until he comes. So he's working us in the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, when I stand before him and I declare that the royal blood of Jesus has set me free, he says, yes, it has. So if there's anyone in here that you're still struggling with the grief and the sadness and the disappointment of making a bad choice there, then just celebrate the blood of Jesus And don't leave here today. One of our ministry team members would love to pray with you. Seal this thing so that from that day forward, anytime you feel a twinge that I'm not really truly forgiven, this sin is somehow specially gruesome, then you declare that God has set me free. And you're in good biblical company there. Amen? Amen? Number three. The truth can divide us. Boy, it has. But the truth can also set us free. Right? We know that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. 
Let's take a look at uh, Matthew 10, 34 for a minute. This is one of those, we've been struggling with some of these tensions in scriptures on Wednesday night. It's like, wait, this scripture this way and this one, here's that tension line between us. Remember when on uh, the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it says, um, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace is born this day. Behold, good news and glad tidings for all men, all people everywhere, that, that peace, right, has come. And then, and that's true. But now let's take a look at, this is a really, really interesting chapter, all of Matthew 10. Jesus read letter. And so I'll just do the essence of time here. Let me just pick up. It says, look at verse 32. Well, I like it. Let's move up a little further. I got to go up further. It says, he goes on and tear, he says, verse 28, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? A copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without the Father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also be for my Father in heaven. But anyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Whoa. I have come to set a man against his father. Look at verse 34. Don't imagine... Jesus says, don't even go wild in your imagination that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came to bring not peace, but a sword. I've come to pit a man against his father, daughter against his mo mother, daughter against mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. I don't like this scripture at all. If your father and mother, if you love them more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Now, in the context of what he's saying is love the Lord thy God. If you think I came to bring peace in the earth and the world, he didn't. He came to bring peace in the kingdom. And when you're in the kingdom, the kingdom is at hand, right? When you're in the kingdom, there's the prince of peace in the kingdom. But there is no peace out there in the earth and the world. Just turn on CNN right now. It's like, good night. But if you choose to love even the closest loved one more than you love the Lord himself, you're not worthy to be his. There's been many of you. I've counseled with many of you. You get saved. I can talk about Pat. She's home recovering. But I remember when Pat... First, Phil got saved. Phil went to be with the Lord in February, my best friend. And uh, Phil got saved first. And if you ever ever walked with Phil and Pat, they were as rough and as tough, Jersey drug addicts. Oh, my goodness. It's awesome, the testimony of God, right? Phil gets saved. Well, then Pat gets saved. And when Pat got saved and she realized, wow, this is the truth, she starts sharing with her family, his brothers and sisters. 
They stopped inviting her to birthday parties because they, they were tired of having her preach at them about the kingdom of God. And you wanted to bring a medium to the birthday party? Oh, no. That's never going to happen here. So they don't invite her to the party because she's just going to make a drama mess. So she comes in one day crying, Pastor, they won't let me come to the birthday party of my whole family. I said, Pat, that's awesome. She goes, Pastor, you're such a bad counselor. I said, well, that may be true, but let me show you a scripture. Let's look at this scripture, Pat. You're annoying your whole family with truth. And you've made a choice to acknowledge him before men. You watch. Now let's pray. You watch. Every one of her family members got saved. Her brother-in-law got saved. I remember the day her brother Joe, he drove down from Jersey, New York, came in and he says, where's Pastor Tom? I got to get saved right now. Got on the prayer room floor and received Christ. All right? When, when, when Phil was going to be with the Lord of Hospice, her brother-in-law, who'd heard a lot of stuff from Phil's stories and mission trips and didn't know what he watched, the process of Phil going to be with the Lord and all those who came and ministered, and he got saved. What's the point? There will be a time when in our heart, and it is, man, you think that is not an easy battle when you're struggling with a loved one, even this tension between that's my daughter or my son, that, and i got to put a boundary here, and how do I do that? How do I walk between being a good father and a good, but a good child of God? That's the Holy Spirit direction, wisdom, right? Truth can divide us, but the truth can set us free. Number four, abortion is much more than a political subject. It is a moral and spiritual battle of life and death, and it will only be defeated by the people of faith taking a stand for biblical truth to this end of this tragedy. What can I do? Start supporting your pro-life organizations like Lifeline Pregnancy. Vote for pro-life representatives. Find out, every one of these, they list them how they stand for pro-life issues. You can get on any of these um, websites and find out valid ones and only vote for those who are pro-life because this book makes it clear. Do we ever wonder why we're $19.5 trillion in debt? Why we've been dishonored across the globe? What choices have been being made that caused this nation to walk away from the blessings of God? Who says, I will not make you a debtor nation, I'll make you a giving nation. It's time for us to get back on track and ask the Lord to reestablish this nation as a Christian nation. And we're not embarrassed about that. That's who we are. That's what we stand for. We know it will be a blessing to the nation. I don't force my religion on you. I like what the president said. We want to not colonize or force our way of life, but let it be an example that all those, why are they wanting to come here? That ought to be a clue right there. Why are you leaving your Muslim nations or those places where dictators run to come here? Hello? So we're not ashamed of the gospel. It is life-giving. We love all people of faith. We're not forcing any way, but we would like to show you the one who is all life. 
So support your representatives. Give to those organizations. And then pray. When Mary Esther and Terry Maples and them put out a, a, a blast, if you want to get on there and you want to come stand at the corner by the hospital there and pray against the demonic realms of those who are going into Planned Parenthood that could get forwarded or referenced out to Fayetteville where the abortions can be done. But I pray that God will reverse this curse over the nation. There is no way he's going to bless this nation with this on our books, codified as a legal way of destroying life that he says is a gift. There is absolutely no way. Now, he's a long-suffering God, gives us lots of opportunity to turn this around. But there is a time when sheep and goat nations will stand before him and give an account. And I believe this is one of those times. We were born for such a time as this. I want to show a uh, video. If you'd like some more information, I have what Planned Parenthood charges for body parts on babies. If you'd like the information, it's horrifying. Some of the stuff, you say, well, I just don't want to know that. Get informed. Not, not so that you have this shock and awe, but that um, if we look at what happened to Nazi Germany when the church just looked the other way or they were bought out the other way because we didn't want to cause any... There were those who stood. It's time for the church to stand up. We have an opportunity now to stand up and declare righteousness and do it in love. Do it in a way that is loving. Which means that we're going to have to, as Cynthia said this this morning in prayer, uh, in our discussion, that we're going to need a whole lot more adoption services, opportunities, Thank you, ministry team, if you'll come, and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Cynthia, for being with us. Just lift up your week. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace.